Many years ago, I was turned on to a filmmaker. His name is Nick Askew. And Nick does the most amazing short films called Soul Biographies. One of my favorite soul biographies was featuring a woman. Her name is Olu. She was a professor of pharmacology and thermochemistry. And the title of the video was simply Smile. So this is an excerpt from that video that really touched my heart. She said, there's always a reason to smile, to be happy, to be alive, to be able to wake up in the morning. So I have another chance, a chance to do something. I have another chance to create something. I have another chance to go for something. That's a reason to smile. And then she went on to say, a lot of people don't feel that way. They'll say, well, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. But how do you know? How do you know if this is going to be your last day? How do you know that you will see somebody And that should give you reason enough to smile. Hello, this is Lisa LaRose and Michael J. Russ on Connect to Love on PRNFM on the Vibrant Living Network. The founder of the Vibrant Living Network, Glenn Brooks, was a friend and a mentor to both Michael and I. He reminded us at the end of each show that your life is precious and to enjoy it. In life, we are connected to people who touch our hearts, animals that we love and that help us heal and love us back unconditionally, but sometimes they leave us very suddenly. Glenn Brooks was one of those people. A year prior to his passing, Glenn had lost his beloved son, Michael, and his deep love and his connection to to Michael was really something to behold. He made it a part of of every show and his every beingness. He decided to dedicate his next efforts to his son, Michael. Unfortunately, uh, the loss of Michael was a lot for Glenn to bear, and, and I believe that he died of a broken heart. And, you know, so here on Connect to Love, we're, we're going to talk about some tender topics today, the things that touch us to move us that helps our hearts heal. And uh, so I'd like to welcome my co-host, Michael J. Russ, and, uh, who has a, a very beautiful heart. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and, and I know you have embodied uh, a lot of what Glenn uh, taught about your life being precious and to enjoy it. And uh, every morning when you go to your barn and you see those beautiful horses, I, I've often, a friend of mine had given me a, a book about horses and how they heal, how they heal people and their incredible intelligence. And several years ago, I had an opportunity to study with um, Eric Pearl. And he, I studied reconnective healing, and what I found so fascinating is uh, Dr. Eric Pearl, who was a traditional chiropractor, who one day was attuned to this energy field, these frequencies that could heal. Um, he started to utilize them, not just with human beings, but with animals. And at that particular class, I met his father, and his father who had, you know, as a traditional chiropractor, Eric was trained in medical and the body. He was not tuned into frequencies or how they would heal. And his father, whom I met, only worked with horses. And then through that, I met another 
beautiful lady. Her name is Renee Colson, and she works with horses. And it was interesting. I had an opportunity myself to uh, go work with a horse. And what, what I found so fascinating is that when I dropped into my heart center and I opened my energy field, all of the other horses that were in the the stalls sort of looked at me. And this the horse that I was working with just relaxed. And, and even though the woman who had invited me to work with the horse, her daughter was saying, I don't know how this is going to work. We've tried everything. <laughs> nothing, nothing has worked with this horse. And, and I just smiled at her and, and she said, you know, well, you're not a vet. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm just, you know, tuning into the heart field of this particular animal and we'll see what happens. I said, I have no expectations. I said, I'm, I'm just dropping into the field of my heart and wishing the best for this horse. Uh, for its highest and greatest good. And the woman who I was working, you know, on her horse called me a few days later and said that the horse had made a miraculous recovery. And I said, that's wonderful. You know, whether I had anything to do with it or not, I was just tuning into that. And so do you notice things when you you go to the barn and and you tune into the, the horses there? Yeah, I look them in the eyes and I I um, say hello to each one of them. Um, and uh, obviously, they're really interested in getting fed, uh, so they're a little restless. Uh, however, after they've eaten, I uh, I make sure I I pet each one of them on the head and say hello and and make sure that they know I'm present with them for for a moment. And because uh, two of them are 29 years old, um, there's a female, That's amazing. And a male, 29 years old. Uh, the other is, I think, 17 or 18, and uh, so two of them are retired from doing anything. Both actually, they're both lame, um, and uh, but we we make sure that they're happy and cared for. They're, it's it's a retirement home for two out of the three. So, oh, <laughs> well, that's um, wonderful. Yeah, it's kind of it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's 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 20 minutes. We're out there taking care of them and making sure that they're they're. Uh, um, you know, fed and and uh, we clean up and we're we're out of there. Uh, and it, but yes, I make sure that I'm present with them. I think it's important um, to be present. I do the same thing with my cat. I make sure that that she knows that I'm present with her when I'm with her. That I'm not, uh, you know, doing something else. Uh, that um, that I'm not. Um, you know, somewhere else with just petting her. I, I like to make sure she knows that I'm that I'm with her there, and it's it's fun uh, to uh, to do that. So uh, it's okay. probably the same thing with you and your and your dogs. You know. Mhm. Yeah. It, it's uh, my my dogs are very connected to me. You know, they all have come to me in different ways, and. One of the dogs that I have is a 19-year-old German Shepherd. Um, she had had a stroke last January, and I, you know, kind of tuned into her and was, you know, gave her an opportunity to see whether she wanted to stay or go. And uh, it was it was an interesting dynamic because I fed her with a syringe, some turkey broth, like turkey bone broth, and. You know, really did everything for her for a week, and I thought, well, maybe it's time to let her go. And one day she just stood up, and she's been <laughs> going strong ever since. But you, you just 
don't ever know if um, they're going to stay or if they're going to leave. But I think they do. They give us so much unconditional love. It's, um, you know, it, there's no other no other thing like it. And I often True. said that the, the word God is, dog is God backwards. And it is because of that. It's that Neat. feeling that we get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. That's wonderful. Uh, and that that is so true. Um, I uh, not necessarily want to necessarily go there, but I did. You know, 13 years with our little corgi that passed on Monday, and I and I really um, she was uh, uh, somewhat a, a little creature that was just so full of love and so present with you, and and uh, I made sure that I returned that to her that I that I that I was present with her, that I, um, I knew what she liked and I'd get down on the floor with her so she, I could be at her level because they're very short dogs. Uh, and she loved it when I got down there. She was full of love, full of life. And, um, you know, it's the most challenging thing, uh, is, is to lose them. However, you have to always recognize that not only are they not going to be with us forever. And because of that, we have to we have to make sure that we're uh, present with them and not somewhere else. A lot of people get pets and they're just a nuisance. They kind of see them as that. And I've never saw, I've never seen any pet as a nuisance. It's a function of their, we're, we're going to learn something. You're going to teach us something. And that's the way I, I approach it. Uh, they teach us patience. Uh, they teach us to, um, to engage with them. Uh, to love unconditionally because that's what they give you is love without condition. And it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing if you embrace it. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and uh, to be there with them. And a lot of times in our lives we get really busy uh, into a lot of different things and get very distracted. And there's a lot of stimuli out there. And um, when you're – and so the, 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 our animals in our lives don't always get that direct one-on-one, hey, I'm here – present with you attention that they really deserve and not because they're you know needy um, but because really we can learn that to be unconditionally loving from them and uh, it, all pets you know do things make mistakes or whatever but there's always a reason behind it and generally if mm-hmm. uh, pet, pet trainers will tell you it's not the pet it's the owner <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I think, you know, animals do, they they teach us lots of different lessons. And, um, you know, I have a little dog from West Virginia that I came in as a rescue. And and he he does not, it's amazing because he does not like any crosswords. If I even say no, he'll like, he'll get a real he'll furrow his brow and he'll kind of growl at me. And, and the other day I said to him, I picked him up and I'm like, you know, we just got to have a, a, a get, get over this. And, uh, but it makes me look at myself and I am thinking to myself, you know, am, am I losing my patience? And he will not allow it. He will not allow me to be yeah. impatient with him. Yeah. And, and then, and it's, it's interesting because it's correcting me. He's training me. <laughs> To be a more loving human being, and uh, I have to share with you because you know I know you, you. I'm a little bit out there and, and with our with our audience, but I, I'd love to see to hear your thoughts on this. So, yesterday, when I was coming back um, from doing some different errands, I had 
past the park, the playground, and it's right behind the fire station. And these two boys with about 12 children all around were beating each other up. And they were pretty young. They were probably like eight, between eight and 10 years old. And I just, I couldn't get over the fact that like, as I turned the corner, you know, this fight was going on. And I understand kids will fight. I pulled my car over and I said, stop that. And they all kind of looked up and I said, you know what? You should be ashamed of yourselves. I said, this is not the way human beings treat each other. And they looked at me and, you know, the one boy who was like 12 years old told me, you know, to get back in my car and mind my own business. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I won't. I said, you know, this is what's wrong with humanity. I said, the fact that you other children are watching what's going on and you don't see anything wrong. I said, you know, we need to come from a place of love if we want to change this world. And the one kid, you know, looked back and, you know, told me to get back in my car. I said, well, you know, there's lots of different ways we can handle this. And no, I'm not going to be bullied. And, and, but the two boys that were fighting in this altercation, you know, you could see their eyes. They were looking at me. And then they were looking at each other. And I thought, you know, where, where does this lead? Where do we draw the line? How do we teach these young people to be more compassionate and loving with each other. And, and yeah. maybe, yeah. That, that is so true. <laughs> so, um, excellent example, though, of, of how to handle that kind of situation. I love that. And that's what we mean, of course, when we're talking about coming from uh, a place of love, compassion, and empathy. Uh, really, um, my take on this is uh, my intuition tells me that these young men didn't have any, any role models, anybody who could help them uh, look at the situation in a different way, perceive it in a different way. And for the rest of their lives, they will remember the situation that they encountered with you, this experience. Um, it's, it's another, because we go through these, everything we do, and this is why I love that word, uh, the, the term I came up with called evolutionary catalyst. It was an evolutionary catalyst for them. You, you, everything, we have to start looking at situations and circumstances in our life, in our lives as evolutionary catalysts, because that's really what they are. They cause us to think differently. They cause us, they give us the choice, the choice to see something as an opportunity for evolution or to go on the way that we've been going on, you know, to, to, to not step outside of our normal, uh, of the known as, as, um, as uh, Glenn Brooks would, would put it, we have to step outside the known to see things in a different way, to perceive every event as an opportunity as a, to be a catalyst for us, to be a better human being tomorrow than we were today. And, and this is, young people really need to have this, this contrast in terms of how they uh, can, can approach a situation an event in their lives. It's not always, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's fisticuff this thing out. That doesn't teach us anything. Um, all it does, in essence, is re, uh, it, it reinforces uh, one, one form of thought and behavior instead of a multiplicity of thought and behavior. And so when they, um, and it's, it's a challenge that I find out there right now with a lot of uh, young people and, and even grown-ups who are resistant to changing their thinking. And we all have to be open to change. Um, and we may go into a kicking and screaming. However, 
you're only going to go in it, into it kicking and screaming if it's something you really don't want to embrace. If you embrace it, there's no kicking, there's no screaming. You're just literally going with the flow, the ebb and the flow of life, which is uh, going to happen whether or not you uh, are here or not. It's still going to happen. And I love that example. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Well, thank you. I mean, it just, I, I said to somebody, somebody said to me, well, you know, you're going to get yourself into trouble that way. <laughs> I said, you know what? I couldn't drive by and pretend I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the rest of my day, it would have bothered me. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, putting yourself in, and I think what I, my words, I mean, there was a lot of different things that came out of my mouth, but, you know, I just asking them to see how the other person would feel. And, you know, experience it through somebody else's eyes. And, and that's really, I think, so important. You know, there's a lot of division. And, and rather than saying, you know, you're X and I'm Z or you're, you're G and I'm S, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. we need to really um, ask ourselves, like, how would that feel if that was me? You know, if, yeah. if it was one of the children that were standing in the circle watching, what if they were the one on the ground? Yeah, pretty and amazing. so how do you teach somebody to value that other person and to step in and to become kinder and gentler and, you know, to really treat ourselves selves differently? And, you know, I really like what you said, Michael, and, and as you were speaking, it made me think, and I saw a visual today of, somebody stepping up on a step and it said, what if every obstacle is a step forward? Mm-hmm. And I really, it was just such a powerful visual. And, you it know, the, it, you know, beautiful. you just saw it. the feet, yeah. what, you know, and, yeah. and so what, what if that, what if that, if, what if that is a doorway or an opening and, and, uh, you know, in the visual, it's just the feet standing on the step and it really, <laughs> It made me think about so many different things in in my world um, that are challenges and that you kind of go, okay, you know what, I can get through this, I can move to the next thing, and then something greater and and better opens up. And I know that you always look for the hidden treasures everywhere, and you find in your heart ways to share what you see and, and share that wonder. And I think that's really magnificent. And I would encourage our audience here on PRNFM to, to do the same, you know, to to find something wondrous that you find unusual that maybe somebody in your neighborhood might not see, whether it's a, a bird in the tree or something unusual or, you know, a pattern that looks artistic to you, or you know, even even you know, lay back and, and look at the clouds, and, and what do you see? What do you wonder at? What is magnificent to you? And share that. You never know what friends you might make from that. That's true. Uh, I you know it's 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 interesting because I did a podcast this week about loss with the loss of my uh, beloved little corgi. And you know the thing the thing that um, I attempt to get other people to. And embrace, or at least think about, or become aware of, is that loss. You know, while you're focused on the loss, which in the first, uh, initially, in the first uh, few days after, it's all you know. The the road of you, you've got several paths you can choose. You can go down the road of how and why this happened, and you can and and which pretty much keeps you running in place. 
where there's no evolution in thought whatsoever because you're focused on the past. How did it happen? Why did it happen? You can also be present and embrace it and uh, be and cry about it, display your emotions, and make sure that you're you're not holding back. That you're um, that that whatever emotions you're you're feeling uh, are you're displaying. You're letting them out. You're not holding them back. Then you can also look at the look for the the the, the evolutionary catalyst in the loss. And uh, back in 1982, uh, when I lost uh, a, a girlfriend after two and a half years uh, to a, a very severe asthma attack, it took me it took me a few years to learn this. However, um, in the losses that I've had since, I found that the the evolutionary catalyst to uh, her loss is was that. I, it gave me an opportunity to realize how I should be treating the people I'm around better. In other words, mm-hmm. in, instead, of, instead of saying, you know, we, we look at the loss, we get all caught up in the event itself, and we don't see uh, beyond it because it's happened. We're, we're, we're in our grief. We're in our sadness. We're, we're running down that road. Um, the, and I've always said that the... the you know that you're on the right track when you when you you leave sadness uh, the road of sadness and now you're on the road of gratitude where you're grateful for having had the time like I'm grateful that I had 13 years with this dog which is about the time frame that a dog of that size and that type would live is 13 years right I talked to at least three other people. Said, "Yeah, I had a corgi. They died in 13 years. Uh, they passed away from this. It was heart failure. It was kidney failure. Um, that dog had never had, in 13 years, had never tasted human food, ever. So it wasn't as if wow. she had sweets and she had sugar and she had salt and fat. Um, and I had her on the best food and made sure she got exercise. And you know, it just doesn't matter what you do." They're not. They're only going to live so long. They're not going to live forever. You you treat them as if they could live forever, so that they're healthy and happy and all of that. However, this is the way I look at it: is that you know, it, every loss to me of, a, of an individual or a, a human or a, a, a an animal, a being, a living being, a living soul, is that is is it's a it's a reminder to focus on the people that are alive in my life, the, the living beings that are alive, and to treat them as well as I can possibly treat them with love, kindness, and compassion, and empathy, and um, check, put my, put my emotions, if something happens between us, between me and this other living being, to, to put the, my emotions in check and think, think, okay, how can I react in a positive way to this? How can I respond to this in a way that actually benefits both of us? And so that's what I learned. Uh, that again is reinforced. So I I did that with this with with this particular corgi. I made sure that I, uh, as I said in the beginning of this uh, of this uh, show, I was with her. I was present with her while she was alive because I knew how precious being with her was. And that's mm-hmm. what we have to understand with uh, not only our pets, uh, other animals, but uh, just living uh, individuals, uh, people around us, our family, our friends, uh, and uh, those people that we connect with only for a brief moment. It's about the connection. That was one thing Glenn was just adamant about, the connection. You know, he was fascinated mm-hmm. by how, how you could connect with somebody and how deep you could go with them. And I've always, that's probably why we, we, we clicked, because that's kind of what I like to do. I like to 
find out how people feel about themselves and their life and what they're doing and not just what they do, which really doesn't matter, but how do they feel about what they do? How do you feel about your life right now, where you've come, how you've gotten there, and, and, and all that? Because that's really going to give me a, an up-to-date state of mind, a state of being uh, of who this person is. And, uh, and I can impart something positive to them that can perhaps influence them in a positive way. That's the whole idea. And, it, again, it could happen for a brief moment. Uh, or I'm not, and it's 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 beautiful. Um, and I go back to this kind of ties into the story that you told about these young young boys, and how you imparted something positive to them that you know they can't unknow, right? They know they know a different mm-hmm. way to look at things. They can't unknow that they didn't know it before, but now they're aware of it. Even if they don't act on it like that the next time, they're still aware that there's another way. And uh, that is, that is the, the, the truth of our evolution as, as individuals and as sovereign beings is that we are exposed to enlightenment. The highest mm-hmm. vibrational frequency in the universe is enlightenment. You gave those young men enlightenment. And in doing so, uh, if they embrace it, they, op- they, they then can vibrate at the highest level and feel what that's like. And it, it's, it's fascinating to... For me, uh, live day to day in in that perspective. That you you have it's 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 interesting, and I spend a lot of time thinking. Get up in the morning. When you get up in the morning, you go through your day. Who do you connect with? How do you connect with mm-hmm. them? Uh, what is it that? Um, what is it? And you notice everybody's on a different soul level. Everybody's on a different different level of conscious awareness. So some people just react to events that, again, have no value and no relevance in 24 hours. It's just something that happens now. And I'm very careful about investing in things that don't have any relevance or will have no relevance uh, to anyone or any you know anything in in 24 hours. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, however, that is that's what the news encourages us to do. The media encourages, social media encourages us to do that. All of the outer outside influences encourage us to invest our our emotions and our our personal resources of energy and time and focus in things that don't have any real relevance to us in our life or our evolutionary growth. Nothing. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's the that is that is you know how much richer. This is the question I have to ask yourself. How much richer could my life be if I did not do that anymore? If I no longer invested? If I, if I looked at my personal resources as the, the treasure in my life, am I going to just give away that treasure? The wealth is in my personal resources, my time, my energy, my sovereignty, my mind, my body, my spirit. I'm not going to just give them away to people, right? If we look at it differently, then we can approach it differently. And that is what fascinates me. It's why I do the Life Moves podcast. It's why I love being on this radio show, because we get to talk about these things. And I hope that I can share something that helps someone listening to us uh, take a look at the, the drama or the events or circumstances that are going on in their lives and just for a moment see it in a different way. And in seeing it in a different way, in a different light, from a different direction, uh, change their perception of it, they can experience for just a brief moment what it's like to, 
to to be an alchemist. That's probably the best mm-hmm. way to put it. To be that alchemist, to be the alchemist that they were meant to be, to be able to transform that that thought, that feeling. It, ultimately, it's about the feeling. That's really what you're trans you're transforming is the way you feel. And I use these processes to feel awesome all day, every day. You know, even through the the death of of my uh, beloved uh, uh, Chelsea. You know, I mean, it, it's it's what drives me on a daily basis. Now, it's taken me a while to get here, and it, just like it takes, you know, it, there's there's a lot of things that go on, and there are a lot of people who haven't really experienced a deep loss in their lives, and so when they do for the first time, it throws them for a big loop, which is why I say, use these concepts. And, and, and techniques, uh, ways of, of shifting your perception. Use the alchemy on the little things, so that you can, so that you can perfect your use of them. So you can you can perfect them. That's really what it's about. Is is how to do that? How to do that? That's what's interesting, and that's what fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me. You know. Mm. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Sorry, I got off on a little diatribe there, but uh, no, not at all. I am passionate. God. I am so passionate about that that it, it, you know, you, it's just it, 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 it pains me to see people so caught up in something that really, in the grand scheme of their lives, doesn't really mean anything other than having value as an evolutionary catalyst having value of giving us the opportunity, the, the, the ability to see it as an opportunity to grow themselves. It's not about the thing, the circumstance. It's really what you do, how you respond to it, how you internalize it, how you externalize it. That is really what, what, what counts. And that is where you, you derive value from your, your life, in my view, is by practicing, responding in a positive way, and when you do, you feel awesome. You feel magnificent, fabulous, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I can think of a dozen other adjectives and glittering generalities. It's it's amazing how you can feel. Well, and and you know Abraham Hicks, uh, the entity, you know, always talked about you know rampages of appreciation. So if you are in a space that's dark. You know, it's almost like flipping a light switch on. You know, you don't have to sit in the dark. Well, you know, the sun starts to go down and gets darker and darker in the room. Well, you know, if you've ever done that when you're reading, you're like, geez, it's really dark in here. Well, you know, you just go and you switch on the light. So with rampages of appreciation, you take the one thing that you're stuck on and you find something to be grateful about, about that obstacle or about that challenge. And then, you know, even if it's like, oh, this is so the most frustrating thing I'm, you know, I'm grateful I don't have to go through this again. And then you find another point. Well, why are you grateful that you don't have to go through this again? I'm grateful I don't have to go through this again because, you know, it would just not serve any purpose. Well, why wouldn't it serve? What are you grateful for that lesson? And until you get to the point, well, you know, I really am grateful that I have a beautiful day and that I woke up this morning and I connected with some amazing people. And, you know, you, you start to let that gratitude, you start to let the love flow, you know, you start, and when you do, you, 
before you know it, you, you look up and you, surprisingly, you're radiating love. You're starting to grow and glow and, and really think, what we talked about before, shine. And I think it's you, awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And Antoine Saint-Exubery, who wrote The Little Prince, which is a book that I read every year, he, oh. his, one of the sayings in that book is what is essential is invisible to the eye. And I think for individuals that, as you were talking about, are caught up in the myriad of, of drama that is generated via fear TV or things that they see on their phone or social media, mm-hmm. it's just a distraction. It's a distraction from who they can truly be. And uh, I have to send you, there was a, a sweet cartoon. It was an animation of this boy. And he was, you know, the phone was walking him. Instead of, he was out walking his dog, but he had his phone in front of him. And he, <laughs> yeah. the phone was walking both of them. And, he, you know, and it was giving him hearts and it was giving him all this stuff. And the dog sort of looked up at him and was like, hey, you know, what about me? And, you know, he kind of went on his way and, you know, he put the phone aside, but then there was some other chime off the phone that drew him back in and his friends were calling him. And eventually he decided he turned the phone off. He was not going to get sucked in there anymore. His friends were in a treehouse and they dropped the ladder down and he was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And I thought it was such a powerful metaphor. I don't know who created it. But it really touched my heart, and I thought, you know, how many people have become slaves to what they see and the feedback that they get, and they're missing the most important things in life, you know, the beautiful day, the green grass, the, you know, whatever it is, the the taste of their food, the friendship that they, you know, the person they may be able to meet, um, you know, and, and I've seen a lot of people as they're walking down the street, they're so engrossed in their phone, they'll walk right into a telephone pole. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> or a see, door. I'm sure you've door, seen that, right? over a curb. Um, and that's true. Uh, it's, it's, it's very true. That's almost like it's akin to driving and not looking at the road. Um, so I'll step back to something that you, you said in terms of gratitude with Abraham Hicks and stuff. And it, it's interesting. I think about this all the time when I hear, you know, about gratitude journals and being grateful and all that. I got to tell you, um, I do not approach life from a perspective, uh, from an, an, the intention of, how can I say that? I don't want to say that. <laughs> Let me just put it this way. Um, I don't go to bed at night thinking, what am I grateful for? And I don't go about the day thinking what I'm grateful for. Um, and I, I, I don't do that because... But I encourage other people to do it if they're because everybody's at a different point. You have to live from gratitude. It's just so ingrained in me that I don't think about it and I don't do other things actively and intentionally around it, other than to say that I appreciate all the things that happen to me during the day and the people I meet and, and all that. I just don't have to keep a journal. I don't write it down. It's like it's just something that that is it's innate to who I am at this point in my life. And I'm in my almost, you know, mid sixties. Um, and getting however, younger every day. I might yeah, add. Whatever. Yeah. I love it. You know, I, I would not <laughs> trade being where I am today for any other age. I love being where I am. I love what I've learned. I've loved the many experiences that I've had. Um, and yeah, I used to tell my dad all the time before he passed away. I said, you know, I'm really grateful that I was, that you you made the choices that you made that helped me become who I am. 
And that's really it. Uh, it. It's, you know, if he hadn't, he could have stayed in Florida. He could have taken over his dad's cabbage farming business. He could have, you know, not met my mother and done something else. Um, he could have chosen to go into the Air Force and never taken a, 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 a foreign assignment, okay, in the 60s, mm-hmm. um, which was a, which opportunities that weren't available to other to, to any to people of color, um, and so I find uh, I mean I had he had seven years of dementia before he passed. Uh, seven, oh seven, my seven, goodness, seven. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Um, it, it's it's um, it's another one of those things that that uh, like I said that that losing someone very close to me in 1982 made me really examine everything about what I was thinking, what I was doing. It was a real pivotal moment. And I think most people have a pivotal moment in their life. That was mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, 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 it made me, it impacted the way that I uh, dealt with my dad, what I thought about him, my interactions with him. And every time I was with him, it wasn't about how many times he asked me, you know, the same question that I just, water off a duck's back. I wanted to know where he was focused. I wanted to know where his eyes were focused. I wanted to challenge him to think about, um, to, to take himself to a, to a point in time when we were in some place in Asia or we did something in our lives. And, and uh, I would sit there and watch football games with him. And I could tell when, he was, when his soul was zoning. You know, I could tell. And when it came back, I just engaged with him. I, when, he, when he was zoning, I let his soul you know, run out and play. And then when it came back, I and, and he looked back at me again. I, you know, I engaged with him, and but again, what it taught me was uh, how to be present uh, with someone. And I, uh, I wrote him a letter before he, before, when he first got the mention, I wrote him a letter that was uh, that thanked him for um, for what he did, the choices and decisions he made. I sent it to him, and uh, then I went and visited him. I, I thanked them even more. You know, we talked about things. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank you for making that choice and this choice. It was really wonderful that you did that. This is what it did for me. You know, this is how it shaped me into who I am today. Uh, so he could be, you know, I wanted to be grateful and be present with him. And it was that way up until a couple of days before he passed away. Uh, because mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to spend four days out of the last seven with him when he was, you know, I literally dropped everything and had the opportunity. And he was really zoning at that particular point. His soul was like out playing big time. I don't know what, what, where it was playing, but it would leave his body and it would go. And he, you, you'd tell, he'd just sit there and just stare into a wall. And his, and his old, you know, I just waited for it to come back. I just, you know, do what I needed to do. And when it came back, we engaged again. And uh, I, you know, I, getting upset, Getting frustrated—that was never a thought. And it's interesting because it, a lot of caregivers can become frustrated because mm-hmm. it's not normal. It's um, it, it's a it's a situation that they cannot control. Uh, and I've learned very much in my life not to attempt to control things that cannot be controlled. And I have to remind myself of this, by the way, a lot when we get upset. It's usually because we're we're attempting to control something that that we cannot control. When we get stressed out, we're attempting to control something uh, that can't be controlled. Some some person, some animal, some pet, some event. We're trying to control the things around us, and we have to let go of what we cannot control, and we have to train ourselves to do that in every moment because it's so easy to attempt to to, to want to do that. 
to slip into that mode of thinking that we, you know, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? Um, because you don't have any control over you. You can influence. Uh, you can be a role model, and that's all you can really do. Um, and, and for some people, that's really a challenge, really a challenge. Um, but it's, it's so wonderful that we have this conversation about this, about, uh, you know, where where it started with you and the young boys and, and how it's blossomed into this, because it's, this is just, it's, it's living everyday life. We want every day to be happy uh, and grateful, and uh, we want to love ourselves and be self-confident, and we want to have great relationships. And what we have to really understand in the end is that we don't have any control over what other, how other people react to what we say, think, or do. We just don't have any control. Absolutely. So I approach that from, and I encourage my listeners and, and clients to approach it from, let's live from love and empathy and compassion uh, and, and uh, kindness. Let's live from those four things and then let the chips fall where they may. You can never say anything wrong if it's from the heart, if it's from your own inner truth, it's, it's, if it's said with integrity. Um, and that's not, by the way, saying you did this, you did that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's how I feel when you do this. This, it makes me feel this, when you do that, it makes me feel this way. I want you to know how I feel. And not that, not because I want you to change your behavior because it'll change the way I feel. I just want you to know that what you're doing is making perhaps myself and maybe other people feel this particular way. Now I'm in charge of my own feelings. Okay, so that's the that I go there too. However, the lesson is in helping someone else understand how what they do, what they say, how they respond, or how they act impacts other people. Is it out of love? Is it out of, uh, or is it out of something positive, or is it out of something negative? That's all I really care about, you know, more than anything else. So, if you work with gratitude long enough, you live from it. You don't have to, it's not, it's not a conscious practice, it's just something that becomes innate to you, and it, 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 you, you weave it into your every thought process and interaction. I agree, and, and it, become, it does become part of you, as does love, when you, you, yeah. you radiate from that place, and, and I know for individuals, it's just like tuning into a radio station, you know, sometimes you'll get some static. But when you're, you, you know, you tune in to the, the right frequency, uh, you know, everything flows, everything works. I mean, you almost feel like you're, you're walking on air. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing this story about your father, Michael, because I lost my dad to cancer when he was 53 years young. And he yeah. was young. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was, but what I think was so fascinating when individuals said to me, you know, I'm so sorry. And I, and it wasn't that I didn't acknowledge their compassion towards me and their sympathies. I very much appreciated that. Mm-hmm. But I had two years of my father going through this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of it was, was pleasant, certainly, but, and it wasn't until the the last little while that he really uh, went downhill, and like your father was not really able to communicate. Right. And I think, in some ways, his his brain kind of garbled things. And so, I'll never forget the one day he got really frustrated because his I think the brain shuts down to the pain, and he kept saying the beaches are on the street. And I knew he wanted me to do something, 
and I couldn't understand it. And he got, he just like couldn't. Yeah. Uh, Communication thing. He couldn't communicate. And then all of a sudden he said the F word. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get that. <laughs> I okay, get I understand that. that. You know? you're, you're, yeah. you're, you've reached a threshold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And could he, but, could he write? Could he write? Um, you know, and he had a, a uh, he had uh, kidney, renal cell cancer, kidney cancer, yeah. and yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they back then they didn't realize that when you took out the the mothership, the main tumor, that it would metastasize, and that's what happened. So he ended up with a fairly large tumor on his right shoulder, and so it incapacitated him. And they offered him, you know, the choice of amputation, and he just said no. He said, I- "I'm ready to go." I'm I will, you know, allow myself to go peacefully. And he wanted to be at home, and we honored that. And and hospice was really wonderful. And and I'll tell you, when those last days, and he wasn't very, he was only about 80 pounds when he finally passed, and it was so challenging for to watch him take every breath. I mean, and it was just we let him know that it was okay to let go, and I was holding him. Um, you know, just trying to, to ease his, his pain and let, you know, just let him know. And he did take his last breath. And I felt his soul leave his body. And I think that was sort of, you know, one of those transformational moments for me. It changed my life forever. I didn't, I no longer was fearful of anything. It was so peaceful and so beautiful that after so much struggle, there could just be that. Just peace. And, and and he had his family around him. My grandmother came, and she was there, and all of his, you know, his children were there, and my mother was there, and it was just peaceful. And you, it opened new eyes and new doorways to me that I never would have imagined. I was on the trajectory to go uh, to medical school. That's what I wanted, and I I no longer wanted that. It. it transformed really who I was and I see it as a gift and and so many things in my life I see because of that one event changed really really transformed and changed and I'm so grateful for for all of it every challenge every you know thing that unfolded after it made me a better business person it made me so many different things and amazing uh, isn't yeah. it how that happens mm-hmm. and it's a matter of how you you now, you, how, you, how you saw it, how you interpreted what happened in your life. We always have that choice of whether or not to see something on the face of what it is or to look deeper and, as you mentioned in the beginning, find the treasure, um, uh, the treasure being the, envir- the, the um, uh, catalyst uh, in our lives to, to grow, you know, mm-hmm. the evolutionary catalyst of it, the opportunity and whatever it is. That, you know, that, that's, we have that choice to see that. Um, and it's a unique thing to go through life um, seeing opportunity versus uh, a problem, uh, a circumstance that uh, something that, as I hear a lot of people say, this hard, this thing is hard, this this tough, this is impossible, this is difficult. And I go only because you make it so. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. choose another way. You could choose not to use those words and put up those hurdles of, you know, in thinking. You could say, um, I'm going to approach this from a, from a perspective of a challenge. This is a challenge to me. How can I overcome this challenge instead of 
um, copping out and saying it's it's hard. It's going to be tough. This is going to be impossible for me. You know, it's going to be impossible. If I had said it's going to be impossible for me to get a get over my corgi, what would I be thinking in the next couple of days? It's going to color my actions and my thoughts, um, and it's going to mire me in uh, in the grief and sadness that uh, I exhibited as a result of of her passing. And she was. Uh, you know, literally walked into a vet and didn't walk out. That is, mm-hmm. no, she had breathing issues for the weekend, but uh, it it is amazing how how that happens. How uh, you know, you, as soon as she got onto the table and had the uh, and had had X rays and whatever, it was almost as if uh, she wanted us to have closure with what was wrong with her. She wanted us Aww. to know what was wrong with her before she decided to pass, before she chose to pass, because she'd waited the entire weekend. She could have passed at any point in the weekend. Nothing had changed from, the, from Saturday morning until Monday morning, except her conscious decision to go. And it was, oh, it was it, it's fascinating to me. It's just fascinating that uh, to look at something look at her passing that way because it was quick literally it was you know we had 15 minutes with her and and we only only two is all we got you know we wanted 15 minutes before we because we were going to had to put her to sleep because she was you know not she was in a lot of pain and she was not you know salvageable in any way shape or form um yet she actually chose to leave on her own terms and uh yeah, that is some serious old soul going on there. Oh, without a doubt, without serious a doubt, old soul. My, old soul. Yeah, my, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was you know she she brought you two together in that time, and and you had that weekend with her, and, and it was as you said, it was her soul's choosing, and yeah, I think that's so so it. important mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to remember. Just, it's so true. You, know, you are so, and that's. You know, it doesn't always occur like that with the people, but this was this was the second animal this had occurred with. <laughs> so, you know, in three years, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I again, I, I I live in gratitude for having had the opportunity uh, to have done everything possible to treat her right, to love her, and to to have to to experience her un- unconditional love, which is what we 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 really want from those people around us is to give love and and receive love. We want to. Wait for it. Connect to love. I know, and and here we are. Believe it or not, at the, <laughs> the end of our, of our show. And and absolutely, Michael. You know, we do are so grateful that I am connected to you and to everybody that listens to us on PRNFM and to connect to love. You know, may you be happy, peaceful, fulfilled healed, whole, everything, you know, that you need and desire be brought to you. And uh, may you find that connection. And we're so grateful. And, and Michael, so grateful to you. Thank you. Me, you. For connecting and I, you. To love. Thank you. And, and we'll look forward to connecting next week. We definitely Would you like to sign off with anything else? No, you did it. You just did it. That was beautiful. Right. I cannot add to that. Take care. <laughs> 